It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the Bernabeu! That's a shaman! Giroud plays it in the middle! Ahead again! And Ramsey arriving! And Arsenal are back in front! Scores in the FA Cup final again! Just as he Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsenal Editor Podcast. I say another episode, it's the final episode. Final episode of the season. So it's been a good few... Good few, probably about 10 episodes, 10 games, really good flurry towards the end. So thanks very much for joining. We're not quite finished for the season uh, overall. We are going to have a, a sort of fun, quite silly and definitely very stupid, some kind of awards ceremony, um, you know, very much in line with the man of the match, the dick of the day, player of the season, all that sort of stuff. Um, so we have that to look forward to. But in the meantime, we had pretty, pretty eventful final day of the season. It was quite an enjoyable game. Uh, but it, I don't really know how I feel about where we sat because we're below Spurs. But we don't have to do the Europa League Conference League or whatever it's called on that thing. Um, so, but yeah, there's a lot to talk about. So it was a very exciting last day of the season. Um, but we've got Matt from AFC Matt and the Can You Believe It podcast. How you doing, Matt? Yeah, good, thank you. It, it, it was an eventful last day, wasn't it? Um, it? There was a lot going on. I, I know our game was pretty much pedestrian by by the time we we scored the second but there was a lot going on in the final day and it's always it's always good to to have the final day uh, especially on multiple screens just because you you, you get all the drama and and such because they were showing goals um, during the the game um, from other stadiums to show us what's happening and it, it was also good to see the fans back as well which was amazing yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you what, I, you might have made, mentioned it was pedestrian from when we were 2-0 uh, up, but to be honest, mate, I would say that's the most exciting game of the season. It was, <laughs> like, for me, and, I, and, this, and I'll tell you for why, I was in a wonderful place called The Pub, right? And <laughs> So it was an Arsenal pub um, just round the corner from, it's the Irish Arsenal pub. God, what's the name of it? I can't remember. Just round the corner from Emirates. I went to the protests, uh, which you can talk about in a moment. Um, and, yeah, I, like... For the whole of the season, I've been watching games on telly, and it's very easy to watch. Like it's, it, they're always a very pedestrian game, even if they are exciting, because there's no energy in the stadium. It looks like a training game and everything like that. And I just, it's been so long, I just forgot what it was like to celebrate with people and to have like living on the edge. The commentary coming out of like the pub speakers, and it all just sounds and feels like so much more dramatic and and just exciting and every time Arsenal getting forward it was like this and whilst we, I was you know trying to keep up with the very sort of tactical elements there was energy like I had somebody come up to me and compliment my Arsenal shirt and he started dancing with the Abue thing because it reminded him of Abue and uh, there was just people talking about Arsenal and like I wouldn't want to say falling you know into each other or over each other because technically that would be sort of not very Covid friendly but oh man and just like being at the stadium beforehand and, you know, meeting a few of the, you know, guys in the industry, I met Laith and a few guys from AFTV, you know, Laith had come in the podcast not too recently. And um, the energy of the uh, protest was amazing. It was just like being around people on a final day. And it was just like, oh, mate, I've missed it. I've missed it so much. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think football has missed it in, in general. I, th- I think you're totally right about how the games have gone and they felt like a training game and uh, I, I don't think football has been the same without fans even Arsenal themselves I think I think against Palace on the midweek we took six shots but in this game we took 
15 and it's just like the Arsenal fans are not in the stadium and not going to accept Arsenal being pedestrian like we have been this season. They're going to urge the team forward and push them forward. If they see Xhaka outside the box at 30 yards and he can take a long shot, they're going to shout, shoot. And I've missed all these all these elements about about the game. I've missed the roar when a goal goes in. I've, I've, I've missed just Arsenal fans chanting about how bad Tottenham are, like uh, stand up if you hate Tottenham. All, all, all these chants that I've, I've, I've missed and it's just it reminds you why you you are a football fan and you you got into the sport it's not just because football is a really good game it's because of the the friendships and the communities you build because of this so true mate so true so actually um so my girlfriend millie lives lives you know probably about 25 minute walk or whatever it may be away from the stadium and i didn't have a ticket but you know we just had a nice wander down and um so and and she hadn't been to like sort of an Arsenal, you know, game before. Look, that sort of thing. She's been to football games and stuff. In fact, I actually think she could go to an Arsenal game once a long time ago. But anyway, the point was when we got there, like the the first thing that we heard when we got close to the stadium uh, was somebody just shout at the top of their voice, what do you think of Tottenham? Yeah. And then everybody replied and it's just like, that's all right. And it just, oh, it all came back. And yeah, you, you do forget like, it, why you fall in love with the game and why you end up investing so much uh, emotion and probably money into these ridiculous like groups of people playing a sport that you don't really know that well but you kind of want to win and it's all very tribal and uh but yeah and it all came flooding back and um yeah it was basically just a great great day out so um yeah and yeah so you did mention this so i do wonder how much and i think a lot but what do you think about how much influence the crowd had on the performance. You mentioned the amount of shots we had, which is something we've really not seen like all season, but we were peppering that goal. How much of an influence do you, do you think that had on the players? I, I, I think it was, it, it was massive for them. You could see it through some of the players. Partey, for example, he, he, I, know, I know he has been shooting a lot recently, but I think he seemed to enjoy the crowd being there and on on his side. I think this. I think he said in an interview after the game, this was his first game in front of the Arsenal fans, and I mean he's been here yeah. pretty much a season, so he he hasn't felt that that passion from the Arsenal fans. Martin Odegaard, who we'll probably get onto later for a great performance he had, he looked mm. like he enjoyed it and relished it being in front of the fans. I, I think fans in the stadium can bring you up when your team is a bit flat because I think when you have a shot at goal, maybe it's not completely amazing, but keeper saves it. But you get that roar from the crowd. It's just like, yes, come on. We, we can do this. We're pushing for a goal. We're getting closer. It's just, it's like the fans suck the ball into the goal, if you will. Like, it's it's good to that with tactical and all the tactics that we've done this season. But I think the 22 players on the pitch, I think they feed best off fans and I mean again to go back to the Crystal Palace game Kieran Tierney for example he's getting booed by the Palace fans and he, mm. he ends up doing an assist and that he feeds off that and it, no matter what the reaction is negative or positive if it's boos or cheers I always think players react well it's obviously something that you can't really 
measure because it's not something that it's going to show up on a stat sheet or anything but i think yeah. it's something that you can just tell and you can just feel and see with your own eyes that the fans were pushing the players on in this game so true we well, say you can't measure it by stats but and to be fair this is far too much of a small sample size to, to really like take a lot of note from it but something that's been an issue this season is late goals we've we don't have that late surge. Like we don't just have that late push in us. It didn't seem like it anyway. Um, and I think that's one of actually something that's been relatively consistent with Arteta, but since the fans have come back, i.e. Crystal Palace and then the home fans at, at Brighton, they're all very late goals, you know, like, I mean, True. Um, you know, two injury time ones in midweek. And then, you know, yesterday Pepe with a couple to be fair, not crazy late, but, Certainly, the game was dragging on at nil-nil, and you thought we I mean, needed something. And um, you know, so yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that did have an effect, and it did feel like it. And I think particularly two players, Pepe and Abamyang. I don't think Abamyang was electric yesterday or anything, but I've seen him in before. He just those two players feel like they just feed off the energy. They're very like um, emotional players, I think, in for, for for better or for worse, and. You know, having fans up that de- de- back definitely for better. So um, it was, yeah, it was just, I think that was the most important thing yesterday, right? Um, yeah, um, I mean, that 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 is the most important thing was to get fans back into the stadium. And we've, I think the team have missed them. I think Arteta's gone about it a lot about how fans, we've missed the fans. And I think a lot of people before lockdown, before Project Restart last year, was saying it might be a good thing that fans are not in the stadium because I think Arsenal fans can be a bit cagey and they can be a bit dismissive of the of the team in the stadium. But I think it, it's just shown how important fans are in, in the stadium. And I think the, the performances of, of the players you just named, Pepe and Aubameyang, I think Aubameyang again, like you said, wasn't electric, but I think you can tell his whole vibe. There, there was times in the game where he was running through on goal. When have you seen him do that this season? Not many times. And like you've got Pepe who's dribbling past players and uh, uh, one of the goals, I don't think he scores if there's no fans. And people will probably say that we're, we're overrating the 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 fan influence, but I, I, I truly believe that fans do make a real difference in, into the game and made a difference yesterday. Yeah, it was a huge conviction about the way you finished those two chances. Like, I mean, when he started running for that second one, you just knew it was going in, though. It was great. I mean, um, before we get into the... Because I kind of want to use this as like a context. You know, the game was good. We had some good performances, which we'll get into, I think, as part of this. But um, I asked everyone to sort of really summarise the season just in terms of three words. So a three-word summary is actually going to be season long. So... Um, Chris Wheatley uh, from Football London said Saka, Tierney, Emil Smith Rowe. I mean, that's entirely fair. Someone said just about par. Someone summarised that was saying shit. Okay, then better. Roller coaster, all that sort of stuff. Um, painful but mediocre, not good enough. What the F? A lot of ones saying Saka, Rowe, Tierney. So a lot of those as well. I mean, that, that is the most exciting thing. And someone just said it's finally over. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of. Clearly, it was a roller coaster this season and everything. We finished seventh. No, we didn't. We finished eighth, sorry. Eighth, yeah. Eighth. And Spurs finished seventh. Yes. And the there's a significance about that because in the moment, 
and I can say this with hindsight now. But in fact, I'll ask you, where do you sit on the kind of the spectrum of it's great that we don't have the Conference League versus the we didn't finish above Spurs? What what was the ideal scenario for you yesterday? I th- I, th- I think as an Arsenal fan growing up, uh, the momentum is always to be and the is to always be above Spurs. And I I personally was quite gutted when we finished below Spurs. I know the Conference League was something that was as a club would have been pretty embarrassing to be in because I think the the amount of teams you you look at the teams that are in the competition and you, apart from Villarreal and Roma the the teams that are going to be in it are are not very exciting and probably teams that most people haven't heard of. You want to hear some names? I've I've got a list. <laughs> go go for it. I, right. I really want to hear. Okay. So we've got so Hibernian, and we know them. Dundalk, we know well. Uh, you've got Schuppel, Struger. You've got Utbist, um, Olympia Jude, but I, 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 I'm butchering this, and I do feel I, I don't mean that uh, in a bad way, but like, and, and don't disrespect to any of these teams, but, you know, Areti Averin from Romania. You've got, like, basically a lot of the flags are sort of outside the teams you'd expect to see in the Champions League consistently. So, you know, the, the lack of French... Spanish, um, German and, and British teams are, are, are very low. And I just think the reason why that's significant is because it's just, it's, 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 there's firstly not a lot of money in it and there's not a lot of value in who you're playing, but it's like, who are you going to send? What, what are they going to do? And if you just send the under 23s and you say you've got the rested players for the weekend, but Mikel Arteta's still got to go and his whole coaching staff still got to go because it's technically the first team, I guess. Um, but I yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm not upset. Or as this one says, upset, which is actually a name <laughs> or something. Um, in, uh, I'm not too upset that we're not getting that. Yeah. I think, I think in hindsight now I can say I'm not too upset that we're not in the conference league. I think there's a big chance now for Arteta and the team to, gain some momentum by Arteta being able to coach the, the players much more because he'll only have one game a week. There will be opportunities for some players to get into more of a rhythm because they won't be as tired, because they won't be doing Thursday, Sunday. It, it is a, a competition that probably is going to be more of a hindrance for the bigger sides. I think the competition mainly benefits teams that are not in, I think it's the top 10 or 15 countries in the coefficient. I think if it, it won't benefit those teams at the right, the top, because they'll probably go on and win it, but I think they've got more things to worry about rather than this competition. Mm. And I think it's good that we've avoided it, even if it did finish below Spurs, because like I said, I I, I was quite gutted that that mm. happened. It, it was, I think it was just because I was, I was mentally preparing for a, a Centos for an Elms day. And I, yeah. I was, I was really getting excited for it. And to hear that they, they've gone ahead and I, I was annoyed at Leicester as well. And the, the goal that they scored as well, there was controversy behind it. It's, 
it, all those emotions just made it even more painful. But I think in hindsight, I think it could benefit us. We just have to take advantage of that next season. Yeah, pressure's on. Really is. Um, yeah, I, I felt very, very similarly yesterday, right? I mean, being in the pub and the energy and then with the the, the notifications coming up, Spurs are down. Uh, I think it went 2-0 down, actually. Was it 2-0 down or was it 1-1 and then? Yeah, 1-1 and then 2-1. And then 2-1. Yeah, I was, oh, yeah, that's six. I remember thinking they needed two goals to, to bring it back and... Um, I yeah, there was something in energy about the pub. I was like, we're going to finish above Spurs. It's going to sort of cap off a really good day. And and there's a, there is a sort of trying to strike a balance between your head and your heart. My heart wanted to finish above Spurs, but I think what it meant for the club and what opportunity that could give us next season. Um, I really, I, I think on hindsight, it's probably a good thing. I think it robbed us of a good day and perhaps a summer of um, pride, but I think that might well be it. Um, and I think, um, and I say that it's going to rob us from a summer of pride. They might lose Kane, and they're definitely losing Bale. So, you know, I think you know, we could be looking good next season if they're having to go away every every week to you know Timbuktu, and 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 and, and we're getting a rest every week. Then perhaps that could be a good thing. And and uh, and the the thing about it is they have to play a qualifier one week into the Premier League season because really? they, yeah, so they they. Uh, no one in this competition qualifies automatically to the group stage. Everyone has to qualify. So they have a, a qualifier in the first week of August. And so they have to sort out the Kane situation. I think he's going to go. Mm. I, I, I sort of hope that they don't get a lot of money for him, but they will. But, well. but I, I sort of hope that, he would stay longer so he would get less money, but that's near here or there. They're going to have to get a new manager as well. And obviously replace some players like Bale, like you said. So they're going to have a, a series of transitions and obviously starting the season with a qualifier one week into the season is yeah. going to be tough. And we obviously avoid that. We're focusing hundred percent on the premier league next season. I know we have the FA cup and the Carabao cup, but the premier league has got to be the, the number one objective. So I, I think you're totally right in terms of my heart wanting to finish above Spurs, but I think mm. long-term this could benefit us, but we have to make sure we take it next season. As you said, pressure's on. Pressures on. They've. I'm. I'm sorry. Like, I know this might sound whatever because we've had a. We've just come finished eighth, but given how much has changed since Christmas, you know, there's a whole. Well, we came second or whatever it might be since it's third. I think actually since since Christmas and stuff. And whilst I get that's arbitrary and they're not going to get a trophy for that, it, it it it. I think because of the way it shifted in formation, I think it is valid at least to to an extent. Because of that, because of the Cronkies, you know, for whatever we think about them. They've now come out and said we're going to splash out, um, you know, via Arteta, and we don't have Champions League or we don't have Europa League. We don't have this Conference League next season. We've got a clear run in to top four. We've got we've got to be going for top four, and I don't think we can really accept anything less given what we've got in front of us next season. Um, I think Arteta's got a very 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 big first ten games. And we've got a very big summer, of course. Um, but I think that's the most sort of important thing. If we can have a good summer, 
um, you know, get well rested on the players and have a good first 10 games. I think that's going to really, really set the mark for the rest of the season. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Yeah. And uh, I think in terms of players going away for the summer, I think the players confirmed to go away, Leno, Xhaka, Tierney. So they, they will go away. So they'll be back late, but then you were, and Saka may go as well. I think the England squad's announced tomorrow. Yeah. And and then I think Martinelli and Gabriel are going to the Olympics as well with Brazil. Yeah. So so that, that's good for them. But uh, apart from that, most of our key players are staying at home and are going to get a rest. So you've got Pepe, Aubameyang, Partey, you've got Rob Holding, Chambers, all, all these players are going to be staying at home, Smith Rowe. It's, it's crucial for us. And you, you are right in terms of we finished the season really well. I know in terms of the Europa League, it finished quite badly. But in terms of the Premier League, we finished with winning five league games in a row. And I mm. can't remember the last time we've done that. I think the when, last time we won four was 2018, so three years ago. So five must be even longer than that. And the the improve you can see the improvement that I think it's your it's time to be cautiously optimistic. I don't think we're going to win the league. I I, I think top four will be a struggle next season, yeah. but I think there's reasons to be optimistic. And if we have a good summer, and that's the most important thing, is to have a good summer in buying and selling then we can be optimistic that hopefully we can turn this around and with no Europe now, we can go further next season. Yeah, and um, there is going to be a very interesting period next season because there's a balance again to be strict. So we need a thinner squad. We don't have Europa League. We don't have anything like that. So we're going to need a thinner squad. However, it's going to come to January when we're losing in the African Cup of Nations, we're losing a Bamiang, Pepe, Partey, El Nene, which is quite a large amount of probably very important players. All of those who I see next season being at the club. Is there anyone else I've missed there? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think I don't so, know. no. But we're losing them in, in, in January, February, which is pretty crucial. So, you know, if 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 Partey's still, party will still be there, I think El Nene still will be there. If we're saying Odegaard's leaving, you know, there's an interesting sort of dynamic to wonder who we, we we bring in, and you know, I think maybe we'll leave that for another conversation, or perhaps there's another couple of questions about who we'd sign. But it does look like we need to strengthen the centre at centre of midfield, like quite significantly. Um, and I think Basuma as well. Obviously, if we sign him, which is looking like we would, he'd be another one that would be going as well. Yeah, it's it's quite an interesting situation to be in because Partey and El Nenny, that's two of your midfielders. And if you're talking about Sabias is going back, Odegaard's going back, it's just Shaka. And obviously yeah. Yeah, it, we we have Joe Willett coming back, but I'm not sure how much Arteta trusts him in the centre of midfield alongside in the double pivot. I mm. think he sees him more as a number 10. So it will be interesting to see what we have to do. And I don't know it hopefully the club is more prepared, but the nightmare situation would be we get to January, they have all gone off to the African Cup of Nations and we have to make transfers in January as well. That would be the yeah. nightmare. Yeah, I don't want to have another six month loan situation. I mean, I know Edgar's been great, but 
I think I've just we just need to get a consistency in the squad now. And um, by the way, did you did you see Pepe and Basuma yesterday? Yeah, like I mean, oh. the, the, there was pictures after the game with the agents and Pepe and Basuma there. Yeah, surely that Pepe's got to be telling them something. Like even if it doesn't come to pass and Arsenal don't buy him, there was yeah. surely something to just said. Come with me, like come come here, come play. You can play in front of these great fans, great stadium. You're a great player, sort of thing. Get him in, mate. Get him in. Yeah. I I love Basuma. He played so well yesterday as well. I thought he was great. And um, but Pepe, I guess from the other side of things there. Then so, uh, he he was unplayable yesterday. And actually, I've got some stats here that I wanted to read out from his season. So, um, this is from now. AFC. So now Arsenal. Um. This is the highest rating in all competitions, which is 7.9 out of 10. Most goal-creating actions in the season, 20. Most successful dribbles with 60. Most match-winning goals with six. Highest rating in all competitions. Oh, that's the same one. But yes, so pretty good for, for, for someone who has the 70 million quid like price tag hanging over him, which I feel really sorry for about. You know, it's over him, it's over the club and everything like that. And, He's come out and he just has this spark that he can just ignite whenever, not whenever he likes, but it happens and it is exciting when he does turn it on, isn't it? Yeah, he, he he's such a fun player to watch when he gets it right. And I think there have been instant, in, there have been occasions this season where Pepe hasn't had the 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 like, he hasn't been really good. And I think Arsenal have been have been patient with him and I think Arteta has as well but I think in these last few months in 2021 he's been excellent I, mm. there's no doubt about it how good Pepe has been and I think with the change of formation and it's not even him being in one role it, he's played on the left I mean if you think about the Wolves game the Wolves goal that he scored the goal against mm. Southampton away those are goals that are from the left-hand side he's played on the right as well and he's looked effective there as well he, I think what's helped is that he looks like he wants to use his right foot a bit more he's mm. not so one-footed so he he does look like he goes on his right a bit more and he, I think if Pepe hasn't had the best game he's always capable of popping up with a goal or an assist and I think in a team that hasn't scored a lot of goals I think that's crucial I think he's got 21 goal involvements all season so I think that was yes 15 goals six assists I think it was which is 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 pretty incredible and he scored 10 Premier League goals which again is pretty good I feel, again, I, I echo your words. I feel sorry for him in terms of the price tag. I don't f- think that should be labelled with him to play, but he looks like he's settling in. He looks like he's loved by all the other teammates and it looks like he is a bit more dangerous now. And I think that's, again, something to be excited and hopeful about is that we can get the best out of Pepe and he can continue this run because I think it was five goals in three games, which is, yeah, 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 which is really, really good at the end of the season. So he's ended the season well, but I think in 2021, he's been one of our really impressive players. Yeah. And he did a very similar thing, I think at the end of last season, that he, 
he's just finished the season really strongly. I remember particularly the cup final. He was he was absolutely unplayable, and um, you know I think he's even stronger at this point next season, this season. So yeah, it's it is really good to see. Um, he just and, and it almost feels like um, that run in November and December when we had a wrong formation and. Aubameyang wasn't firing, Pepe wasn't firing. Well, no, no one was firing because there was nothing going on. I kind of feel sorry. Oh, I find it hard to judge players. I'm not saying they're exempts, but I find it hard to judge players on their performance from almost the first half of the season because of the system they were expected to play in. It was just sucking out any of the qualities that any of them had. And we, we would easily blame and easily look at the stats of, of any of these players and it was very easy to damn them. But I just think wrong system played the wrong way of playing and now that they've put in a better formation again since Christmas I don't want to harp on about it but it looks different it looks it looks really different and those players are looking great and um you know next season could well be completely different with a couple of exciting signings so um which there are a couple of questions about so already well then who, who I think might be quite easy for me but who was your man of the match I I, th- I think it's one or two players, but uh, I, I think it's pretty simple. It has to be Pepe, just because I think his his goals were really good. I think the first touch and then the bang into the goal for the first goal was really lovely. The mm. second goal, we've seen it from him this season as well. It's, I think it was Sheffield United at home, where he's coming in from the right, just dribbling. They keep backing off. They can keep backing off. Pepe can finish. It was a lovely finish into the bottom corner with his left foot. He, he had a really good day. He was dangerous all the time, but he wasn't he wasn't stupid with the ball. He was smart with the ball as well. He was at least consistent with the ball. I think he had sort of like ninety percent pass completion potentially. So yeah. he, he 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 was he was really safe with the ball. Really good with the ball. Looked like he striked a good partnership with Callum Chambers at right back as well, which is is good to see. So yeah, he's my man of the match by far. Yeah, pretty easy for me. Pretty easy for me. I think, you know, like you say, Odegaard was great. I think, again, Chambers had a good game. And yeah, I, I, th- I thought Party was really good, actually. There was a couple of more hairy moments. But um, I thought he could have had a couple of absolutely thunderbastard goals. The, I think he was robbed from that a bit, unfortunately. So that one Thierry Henry style flick up and bang, I was like, I thought he was going to absolutely bury it. But no, Pepe Pepe's my one of the match. Um Dick of the day. What can I can I do for you there? So I think I'm gonna go for Leicester just because they sort of spoiled up high on the day by not by Brendan Rogers bottling it again. Yeah. And it they needed top four the needs to win. They were handed pretty much the best hand you could. Chelsea were losing. They 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 if all Leicester needed to do was win, and they just couldn't handle that. I think they barely threatened on goal. I think they got the two goals through penalties. So it, it was really disappointing. And they're my ticket today because they at least spoiled my fun of St Tottenham's Day for the first time in five years. Yeah, they ruined it, mate. They absolutely ruined it. Do you know who ruined it most? Anthony Bloody Taylor, like he always does, right? I, I, I cannot, I, I literally, I cannot think of any reason why that isn't a handball other than it's Harry Kane, and he's a bit of a golden boy, and we've seen that from referees with him throughout. You know, he, he gets away with a lot, and the press particularly, and you know, give him a good time. But 
what on I, I I don't know what the handball rule is anymore because the amount of times that's happened this season and because the, the the rule is if a hand if it touches a hand leading to the goal that is it it's it's not it's it, it isn't given um oh and just for it to happen like that is is infuriating I I can't see a reason why that shouldn't have, should have stood but hey ho uh, they get Europa Conference League next season so maybe that's Harry Kiff Harry Kane's leaving gift uh, is the Conference League so um you know running Spurs into the ground by leaving and leaving them with that. So, hey, um, my dick of the day was going to be Anthony Taylor, but I suppose it was quite similar to your one. And it's very easy to do referees. So I might just, and I don't want to say this about players, but I had two other options. Gabriel losing his tooth uh, in <laughs> uh, having battled 48 plus games, whatever it may be this season, not necessarily just him, but team. However many games he's played, battling the biggest strikers in the league, and it's after the last game against Brighton where he's having a little tussle with his friends and he loses his teeth, which is very funny. But also Ceballos, he, you know, he's back in Spain. Didn't say goodbye or anything. Oh, really? I, I, I genuinely didn't know that. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So his Instagram story, he's back in Sevilla and um, uh, yeah, he, he didn't say bye. He just kind of went, sorry, right, see that, mate. Um, but that doesn't make me feel too bad, to be honest. Um, alrighty, well, let's leave it there for now uh, and we'll come back with some questions. So I'm going to take a quick break and back in a sec guys and actually i actually want to start a second uh second part with, with an apology <laughs> uh in the couple of minutes that i was off um and we were just chatting and figuring out which questions to answer danny sabias has done probably the loveliest post about arsenal <laughs> saying goodbye literally just now um it's a long emotional post and so much love for the very first day of all the jersey thanks for letting me experience the feeling of being a gunner allowing to be part of your family all this time. anyway look I feel a bit bad about even considering the tick of the day now. Okay, he might have left early without saying goodbye to the fans, but um, yeah, that, that was nice. But, you know. He, he did win an FA Cup with us as well. So He did. He did. Look, he had his moments. He did have his moments. I mean, I'm glad he's not staying. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> From a footballing perspective, but, you know. Um, yeah, I feel bad. Sorry, Danny. Sorry, Danny. I feel bad. I feel bad. Um, okay. <laughs> Uh, let's do some questions. Um, alrighty. Well, we'll start with, uh, we'll start with actually, there's one I want to address saying people asking where the, what we learned has gone. Um, so things we learned is a feature we did on Instagram. I'm sure you're all aware, but so I, they're, they're coming back. So don't worry. Don't, don't, don't worry everyone. But basically, um, I stopped them because it was it was immediately after the um, Villarreal game that I just stopped doing it. I just think, and they are fun to do even when you lose, but I think losing to Villarreal was just a bit too raw and I don't think anyone was in the t- mood, including myself, to, to start making memes and joke about it. So, um, and then since then, it just hasn't really picked up. So I thought, right, what we'll do is at the end of the season, we'll do one big, one big what we learned um, this season. So, um and it'll be fun, and we'll do. We'll pick it up next season. Uh, okay, so um, already met. What we're we saying? So, what? Uh, so, uh, Arsenal Balkan says, "What's your sell list, please?" How long you got? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to take into consideration now, don't we? That there's going to be no Europe, so we need a thin squad. I'm going to get up the the squad just because I want to. Get, yeah, it's good get, admit. get get this right. And just by the way, I don't know if you can. It's literally it's raining so heavily outside. I don't know if you can hear that through your thing, but 
That's as heavy as rain I've seen. Right. Yeah, it's definitely raining heavy around London, but it's actually stopped around where I am, so I'm quite lucky at the moment. Nice, nice. Um, okay, let's get the squad up. Who's on the sell list? Okay, so goalkeepers. Runison, definitely. I, I, I just don't understand why we signed him. A third choice keeper should always go to a homegrown player, so he should go. There's a question mark about Leno. If he wants to leave, then let's let him leave. We'll buy another keeper. Mm. But he wouldn't be on my sell list. I would keep him. But if he wants to leave, then we should have stand in his way. I, I think he's come out and said he wants to stay. Okay, that's good then. Yeah. Then that's um, completely fine. Yeah, he says he wants to fight for the club and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it could be smoke and mirrors. But look, and someone comes in for him and wants to pay a fair fee. I think he's good. And he's a good keeper. And I don't, wouldn't, he's not the number one priority to move on and replace. But I, I wouldn't be crazy upset if we swapped him for someone like, I don't know, Emmy Martinez. But um, <laughs> no, uh, I, I like, I like Ben Lennon. So yeah. Um, Ryan's going, isn't he? I'd sign Ryan. I, I would also sign Ryan as well. I, I I think we might do. I think it's because it's just quite an easy deal. I think he's got one year left on his Brighton contract. Mm. So I think it's quite a, a simple deal to do. We, we've had him around the club. I think he's been a serviceable backup. I mean, he's give, given us a pre-assist, if you remember him coming up for the Fulham goal. Absolutely. It, yeah, so if if he can bang in more pre-assists, then I'll, I'll keep him forever if, if if we could. And obviously, I think there's the added sweet moment that he's an actual Arsenal fan and he seems to really love the club. So I think there's some added yeah behind that. Yeah, I agree. It's it's just it's basically great for all parties. I think I don't think Brighton want him. I think we want him. I think he wants to be here. So why not? Um, Alrighty, uh, so let's 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 choose. There's no point going through Tierney and Gabriel because, like, you know, let's yeah. go through. What about Bellerin? I really like Bellerin, the man. I think he's a fantastic person, but I think the player. I think it's probably best for him to depart this summer, and it really pains me to say that because I really like him, but I think it's just. I think it, there's a natural point now of him departing and i think we need to get a right back we need to upgrade in that position and and he hasn't featured as much in the last month i know he's been injured a bit as well after the chelsea game but i think it's probably best for him to go i i, I agree I, I i think we're in this weird situation bellerin and and i he's an Arsenal man through and through. I think he does his values as a person. Someone at the club is just like brilliant and he's just a bit of a legend and he's got this cracking Spanish cockney voice. Um, <laughs> but far enough, that's my whole life. <laughs> Which is all very funny. Um, and I think we're in a weird position that we will, we'll, uh, I think he's just basically not been good since he's got his injury. I think he's looked leggy. He's looked like unathletic, um, which is everything he had before. And he just hasn't really had it. So, and defensively really suspect. So I would sell, and I think we would get good money for him from probably quite a good European club, it feels like. I think PSG, AC Milan have been knocking around, you know, 20, 25 million for a player like that, I, I think is a is a bit of a bargain. Uh, sorry, a bit of a steal in it from, from our side. But then that kind of opens up the conversation. And, um, you know, I, this is, I don't want to all be about transfers, but if you're getting rid of Bellerin, and I'm going to assume... 
Um, well, then we've got C- Cedric, uh, who's got a long time left in his contract. And then we've got Chambers, who I believe is coming up to this two-year point of his contract finishing. So it's, yeah, stick, or twist. So. it's stick or twist for Chambers. Of, uh, what, what are we doing about right back? Obviously, we've got Maitland-Niles coming back. So in an ideal world where everyone can be sold, I would sell Cedric, keep Maitland-Niles and play him as first choice and then keep Chambers as a backup right back. Nice. I I don't think that's going to happen. What I think will happen is Maitland-Niles will go. I think we'll keep Cedric, Mm. we'll keep Chambers and that's how we'll go and we'll probably try to bring in a new right back, but I'm not sure how successful we will be. Well, it's Chambers is homegrown. He can play centre back. I don't see any reason in keeping. You know, keeping him as a, as a as a very very good squad player. I don't think he'll be you know starting my Champions League final anytime soon. Anytime soon we get there, but yeah, I I just find it difficult because I don't think Cedric's going to go, mate. I mean, he's he's got a tasty contract. He's old ish. Um, you no, know, who's going to buy him? He's going to be quite expensive. He's got a long time left in his contracts. We gave him three years, didn't we? Four, maybe. Can't four, remember. Four years. Four, yeah, it was four. Yeah, I don't know who's going to buy him unless he wants to go to play, which could well happen because he got into the Portugal squad early in the year um, after he had that run of form, you know. And it's just who we're going to have as those squad players. And I think we need to sign a top quality right back. I think that's absolutely crucial, particularly the way that um, Mikel likes to play with that sort of inverted semi-midfielder kind of right role. But yeah, we'll, we'll see. But I, I think for me, Bellerin sell, Cedric sell if pos, but I don't think we will. But um, Chambers keep for sure. Already, uh, Louise is going. So centre-back, Gabriel Holding, Marie, Saliba and M- Mavrapanos. Yeah, so I would I would keep everyone in that centre-back partnership except Mavropanos. I would either loan him out again or sell. Uh, I think I think maybe loan... I think because he's got quite a long-term contract, so we, we don't have to make a total decision on him right. now. So I think... If we loan him again and see how he is, and then maybe we can make some money from him because he's done quite well in the Bundesliga. And I think yeah. our, our, our old te- technical or head of recruitment, Sven Mislintat, really likes him as a player. So he he will definitely have suitors in the Bundesliga. But I think the four centre backs that we have, so without Louise and replacing him with Saliba, I think that's enough. Mm. Uh, I think. And I, I personally wouldn't buy anyone at centre-back. I, I know there have been reports that we're going to buy anyone, but I just just use Saliba. He's had a yeah. decent loan spell. I agree. You know, you know in our defence, we, um, we're, we're one of three teams to have conceded less than 40 goals in the Premier League all season. And that's Chelsea and City are the other two. So whilst we've had crazy defensive errors, you know, Louise and even Jacko, I guess, sticks out. The defense has been really good. Like it almost feels like the defense is not sorted, but is is really strong. Um, you know, and that's for a number of reasons, particularly in the central midfield area as well. But I, I would feel confident going in, particularly with no European football, having those five centre backs. So Saliba, 
um, Saliba, Gabrielle, Marie, Holding, and then kind of Chambers as well. Um, I've heard really good things about Mavrapanos, and I'd feel weird selling him. But if someone comes in for money, then, you know, let him go. Let him go. Um, okay. And I think that's five centre-backs is probably enough uh, for what when you don't have Europe. Um, okay, so Sabias is gone. Erdegaard's gone. Um, that leaves our midfield pretty light, like really light. So we've got Saka, Partey. Saka doesn't even really count as like a midfielder, I guess, in this context. But Partey, Elneny, Smithrow and Xhaka. It's quite quite lightweight, isn't it, really? Yeah, the, the midfield is quite lightweight. In an ideal world, if we had better midfielders, you'd sell Elneny and you'd, sell, you'd potentially sell Xhaka. Mm. But I think we have to keep all of them now, especially as you mentioned earlier with the African Cup of Nations and like what, what are we going to do with, with the midfielders there? So it's going to be a difficult situation because like we said earlier, it, a lot of these midfielders are going to leave mm. for the, for the African Cups of Nations. So I, I would love to upgrade on them, but we can't lose any of them. Yeah. I agree. We, I, I just don't think we can afford to. There's too much we need to do in the midfield it, that, that just can't happen in one transfer window. I think I love Xhaka. Um, you know, I think I saw him in a couple of teams of the seasons actually from a couple of places, but you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. But I think it does highlight a point that he's been really important. But I think he's had his time, he's had his moments where he's been really bad previously. Um, if we could get an upgrade and if we can replace him with like two or three players, because I think that's probably how many we'd need in the midfield, then then hey, then I think maybe it is time to move him on. But I think he'll be here next season and I don't mind that either. You know? So I just think that's a that's a that's an in thing rather than any selling. Um but hey if Odekard's comes back then, you know, brilliant. But um forwards, okay. Um so we've got uh well Willian, obviously we all know there's no point in going into that. Obviously we want to leave. Um if we can sell him. Uh Lacazette. He's been a great servant for Arsenal, but with his contract situation, we shouldn't renew it. We should look to sell him. Now, I don't think we will sell him because, like you mentioned earlier, and I actually hadn't considered this fall, with Aubameyang going to the African Cup of Nations, who are you going to trust in his absence? And this is what makes me think that we won't sell him. We'll just let him go for free is yeah. that Lacazette will stay. But I would sell him to try and get money and potentially use that in other areas. Yeah. I mean, we've got Balogun. You know, Balogun's exciting. And I think um, I think with Martinelli, Balogun, Aubameyang, I think we'll sell Nketiah, hopefully. Probably get some good money for him as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe there's someone to bring in there, maybe, at the sort of age that is useful. So like the 23, 24, 25 sort of region rather than anyone that's you know, really young, like Gabriel Martinelli and, you know, Balogun and then really old, like Aubameyang and even Lacazette now. So I, I wouldn't be, wouldn't mind an extension, but if we did sell it, then I guess it would, in a sense, make sense. But I think we'd have to have some kind of replacement. Um, oh, going back to midfield, one thing we didn't forget to talk about, we did forget, sorry, was Willock, who is on fire at the moment. Um, yes, seven in seven for Newcastle, which is pretty extraordinary. Mental. Is he the ninth player to ever do that in Premier yeah, League? It's yeah, crazy. That, that's mental. So, yeah, I'd I'd like to 
I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do next season. However, I, I'm kind of sceptical, and I don't know if that's mean, but I don't really know how Arteta's going to use him in the way he plays. We we desperately, desperately miss that late run from midfield in the box. And he always showed flashes of that, but maybe this season is really kind of, he needed that loan. And I'm kind of hoping that firstly he comes back and also smashes it. But also that shows the likes of um, Nelson, maybe, what they could do it with a really good year abroad. Uh, and even perhaps maybe the same sense um, of Rapinos, um or anyone like that as well. I mean, may, maybe that's a really good opportunity. Yeah, I, th- I think... Uh, the Willock situation is going to be really interesting because I think Newcastle are going to test Arsenal's resolve. They love him. The fans love him. Mm. They're all desperate to see him stay. He uh, basically is one of the reasons why Newcastle went on such a run and actually stayed up. And I think Willock is an interesting player. I think what he's good at is arriving late in the box to finish off chances. That's great. He's also actually quite good at carrying the ball as well. I don't think mm. we have a lot of players like that in our midfield. He can carry the ball very well. He's, he's very similar to, in our squad anyway, is, is Smith Rowe, but I think he does it a bit more. Smith Rowe also carries the ball quite mm. well, but I think Willock does it well as well. My only concern about Willock is just his passing. I don't think his passing's very good at all. Mm. So if you're going to play Willock in your double pivot, for example, you're going to need a lot of technical players around him. And that's where it's a bit difficult for me because I think he's now increased his value. Yeah. He's now shown himself to be a really good Arsenal player if we use him in the correct way. But there's also still concerns that he's not really developed as well as we need to be to go forward. It's a bit of a sticky situation. Part of me wants to keep him because he's shown really good promise. But the other part of me thinks if we can get a lot of money for him, we can use that money to upgrade in other areas and improve our first team. So it's a real, it's, I think it's a win-win for Arsenal because I think yeah, you, you, you're either getting a really good player or you're getting a good ton of money. And yeah. so it's, it's one, one of the two things is completely fine. And I know a lot of people are against selling Willock, but I think there come, there must be a, a figure that, we could reach now with him that we think, yeah, let's just pull the plug and sell him. Yeah, I agree. I, he, he, he's, he looks like he's been really good and I'm, I'm really kind of excited to see what he could do. Um, but I do get the feeling if 30, 25 mil, 30 million comes in, it'd be quite hard to say no to. And I think we'd be probably be silly to, um, but you know, I don't think that will happen to be honest. I don't think Newcastle will stump up the money, particularly my cash. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> they have to sell a few trainers to be able to do that, but, um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. And then, okay. I guess the two that I think would just be worth mentioning, um, Genduzi and Torreira. So I would sell both. I think Torreira personally has had a, a really tough year. I think with his mother sadly passing away, uh, mm. that was real, real sad f- for him and real sad for all the fans of him as well. He, he had a really tough year at Atletico as well. He, he's bad played, 
Uh, I know he's won La Liga with Atletico, which mm. is great for him, but I think he's barely played. And I think it's just best to sell him and let him go closer to his family because I think that's something he wants and we shouldn't keep him here just against his will and when he wants to be closer to his family. Mm. Genduzi, I, I just think that the, the the relationship between him and Arteta is broken. I don't think it's going to be fixed. I would like to see him stay because I think Guendouzi is a, a decent talent. I think pe- some people overrate him and some people underrate yeah. him. And but I think he's a decent talent and I would like to keep him, but I think if there's no chance of him and Arteta mending fences, then we might as well sell him. It's a shame he's picked up a really big injury, the metatarsal injury. Mm. So that might affect us actually selling him this summer. Yeah, but at least it's not a ligament injury. That's when it tends to be really bad, isn't it? I mean... That's true. Hey, if we can sign Kim Kalstrom on loan with a broken back, I'm sure someone will buy <laughs> getting doozy with a toe, a broken toe. But um, yeah, I agree. I mean, he's just a bit of a nightmare. I think Ganduzi, and I don't think he's worth the maverick personality. Um, there are some players that are worth it, and he's just, I don't think, is that player. And yeah, no, Torreira, I agree with. So um, yeah, he's had a tough one. He's always very close to his mother as well. I mean, he's always posting about him on Instagram. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'd let those those two players go. But that means we've got a lot to do and bring them in. So uh, final question then, um, just before we go then, because we've been going for a bit now. So uh, Gunnar Paralad, Prilad 04, says, is it, uh, is it is signing Jack Grealish possible? Short answer. No. No, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> It'll cost us 80 mil and I think other people will be paying that. So um, yeah, no, I don't think it is. But hey, we can dream. <laughs> I mean, that's what we're going to be doing this summer, aren't we? We're just yeah. going to be dreaming about signings. I would say be excited. <laughs> <laughs> he was there yesterday, so I made, know. Like, um, he he looked very very happy to be there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder if he asked what team Arsenal were in. So, oh god, yeah, <laughs> oh god, that's that's our Josh. Oh, I think he got he got a lot of booze, which is quite nice. He he did, and there was some we want Cronky out chance during the yeah, game. I love it, I love it. Um, but I don't think we're going to be seeing any change of ownership there. And I, I think if anyone's going to do it, another billionaire's going to do it. And I'm not sure Daniel X is going to be as serious as everyone thought he would initially. I think um, after his statement released the other day, I think he he doesn't look like he's you know exactly pushing for it or trying everything he can. But we'll see. Um, Matt, cheers again. Thanks for coming on. Um, We'll get you involved for the for the awards podcast. I'm not sure what we're doing exactly yet, um, but it'll be good fun. Yeah, thank you, thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure, and yeah, I look forward to the awards podcast. Nice one. All right, cheers, guys, and uh, what a season, eh? Let's hope next season brings us uh, many more happy moments. Um, you know, but let's see. Cheers, guys. Bye. bye. <laughs>